What's up? How are you? Another week on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and it is great to be here with you as we get another show underway. And we're in that time of year where the basketball season's over. Uh, baseball season is hot and heavy in the thick of conference play. And by the way, this weekend's games are Thursday to Saturday. And spring football is also wrapping up across the Big 12 Conference. And that's where we will start with some of the headline pieces that are being discussed around the league. First off, the biggest news personnel-wise in the Big 12 is uh, JT Daniels. Georgia quarterback is going to transfer to West Virginia. This is the kind of uh, news that Neil Brown desperately needed in Morgantown. I mean, he's had guys transferring out of the program somewhat unexpectedly. He's had to defend his program here as of late. But he gets JT Daniels in the mix via the transfer portal. And this is a huge, huge deal for him and this program. I mean, here's a guy, just so you kind of know the history of JT Daniels. Comes out of high school, and he is a five-star prospect. This guy out of Santa Ana, California, 2018 class is a five-star prospect, the number two player in California, according to 247 Sports, the number two pro-style quarterback in the class, and the number 16 player nationally in the 247 Sports composite. And 247 Sports itself had him as the number six player in the country in the 2018 class. He spends a couple of years at USC, then he transfers to Georgia, and now he's in the portal again. And granted, he has not maybe lived up to the five-star hype expectation, but still, you get a guy with immense amount of talent and uh, a guy who, under the right coach, in the right program, with the right system, still can be a highly successful Power 5 quarterback, especially with West Virginia, where you really haven't had that guy the last couple of years. With all due respect to Jarrett Dagey, Jarrett Dagey was not somebody who was going to lead a Power 5 program to, you know, conference contention. Just wasn't going to happen. He was a nice stopgap for a couple of years on a perny basis, but he just never got to the level that uh, many thought he was going to possibly get to. So he's gone. And then you look at who's at West Virginia and who was likely to be the starting quarterback. You were looking at uh, a true freshman in Nico Marshall, who was a big-time prospect, and, you know, it's great to have him in Morgantown, but... You're always, you never thrilled with the idea of having to start a true freshman as good as he might be as a four-star guy. And then the other option was, is sophomore Garrett Green, who, I, you know, I admit I liked his wheels when I saw him in spots last year. But I didn't think he was a great thrower. I, it, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that from Garrett Green in, in limited opportunities last season. Now, he could surprise me. And maybe he ends up being that guy. He still could, I guess, theoretically be the starter. But clearly, JT Daniels becomes the favorite to be the starting quarterback at West Virginia. And this is exactly what Neil Brown needed, desperately needed. And you look at some of these new quarterbacks making their way into the Big 12 this year, names that we're all going to learn, JT Daniels being one of them, right? Uh See who else we got off the top of my head. You know, Iowa State, Hunter Deckers, a guy that fans are going to get to know uh, very well. Adrian Martinez, Nebraska transfer at K-State. You look at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel. 
a guy from UCF that fans are going to get to know very well. So those are the obvious names. Uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, the five-star transfer to Texas as well from Ohio State. I believe people are going to know very well once the season gets going. So there's a lot of big-time potential at the quarterback position. All new faces coming into the league, or at least they'll get known across the league this year. Like Hunter Deckers has been sitting behind Brock Purdy for a couple of seasons. And, I mean, for two years I've been hearing about Hunter Deckers from Iowa State folks. It's like, this guy's going to be better than Brock Purdy. And maybe he will be. Uh, You know, it's not possible. It's not impossible. He could be, sure. But you think about these names, and there are a lot of new names at the most important position in the sport that Big 12 fans are going to get to know this year. And JT Daniels is now right at the top of that list. And Daniels pulled ESPN when he made the announcement this week. Going up and down the roster, I feel like they have very good pieces everywhere. It feels like a great fit for quarterback. I feel like there's really, really, really good team, and I'm going to step in and do my part to contribute. And JT Daniels, just so you know, does have two years of eligibility left, um, and it could be something that also causes somebody to transfer away from Morgantown, whether it's a Garrett Green or I can't imagine Nico Marshall would transfer away as a true freshman, but... I could see a situation because now in today's college football environment, you don't have to, you know, wait your turn on the bench. You can transfer and go play somewhere right away. There's an upside to that, but there also is a downside to that. It means that programs are not going to have, I mean, if you have a decent backup quarterback now in college football, you got to be happy about that because most guys who are backups and have potential, they're going to want to play and they can transfer and play right away. So can you blame them for doing that? No. It's very rare that you feel like you have three deep scholarship quarterbacks who can all win you games. That's nearly unheard of in today's college football environment. So we'll see how the quarterback battle plays out, but I would not be shocked if especially Garrett Green kind of sees the writing on the wall here and he says, okay, uh, they clearly don't trust me. JT Daniels is coming in to be the guy, and then Nico is going to sit for you know a year or two and then be the guy, and what am I going to get out of this? after being in the program for a couple of years. So we'll see. I'm not jumping any conclusions here, but it's just something to watch around the Big 12 as we see how all this plays out. Now, some other news with spring practice coming to an end, uh, at least for most teams in the next week or two, K-State. K-State is not having a spring football game. Now, they've never had a true game under Chris Kleiman. But Chris Kleiman this week quietly ended spring practice without any sort of fan event taking place this weekend. No spring game, no spring showcase, no spring scrimmage, nothing. And Kleiman is blaming injuries. Kleiman said, I think we have 98 guys on the roster right now. I think 30 of those aren't practicing because of some kind of condition or surgery. You can't do much with 60 guys. We got a bunch of wideouts, but don't have a bunch of defensive linemen. So you can't scrimmage. We've got to be smart. We're trying to get everybody to the summer and everybody to the fall. You are not going to win and lose with a spring game. We want to make sure we get everyone to August healthy. So that's what uh, Chris Kleiman said about why they're not having any kind of spring event for the fans. But I believe that to be a huge mistake by Chris Kleiman. You got to realize in a world where we have more options than ever before to do what we want, everyone's competing for eyeballs everyone's competing for for money for revenue 
And college sports, as bulletproof as it is in many ways, especially college football, is no different either. It's no different. And I think that, you know, these guys that have more of this old-school mentality, and I'm not against general old-school mentalities. I appreciate it in football. I appreciate it in media. I I do. But I think there's got to be a way to blend the old school with the new school, and I don't believe this to be the right play by Kleiman. I think he's using these these, these injuries and whatnot as a convenient excuse for a guy who's never liked the idea of a spring game anyway. I, he's never had one, right? He didn't have them back at uh, North Dakota State. It was just not the thing that he ever did. Never hosted one. And for his first three years at K-State, what he's done is have, you know, an open spring practice. Now, why can't he do the open spring practice? I don't care if you got guys just stand. You got a quarterback standing at the 15-yard line throwing fade routes to his wide receivers like you would before a game. Why, why can't you just do that? I mean, that's... A no-brainer to me. Just give the fans an opportunity to come out, show up. You know, maybe you get let the kids get a few signatures, uh, see the players in pads, and and you know, events like that may still be planned for the summer. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but give them another opportunity to do that, to be a part of that, to engage with the players and the coaching staff and just, you know, even if they're just walking around Bill Snyder Family Stadium as as practice is unfolding, why is that something that Chris Kleiman can't accommodate at Kansas State? Fine, you can't do a spring game, all right? Defensive tackles, you don't have enough of them. You don't want somebody getting hurt. Fine, just have an open spring practice where you're doing the most basic of drills. Give fans an opportunity to feel a further connection with your program and with your team. There's no downside to that, and everybody is fighting for attention right now. Everybody. I mean, we are, you are in your industry, you are in your space. We have no attention span, and we have more options than ever before in our lives. And to cut off one of those opportunities when you're Kansas State football, uh, which, you know, and I'm a proponent to Kansas State football, I will promote, just like all the Big 12 teams, Kansas State football, I mean, I've been to K-State spring games. I've been to K-State games. Great atmosphere, great fan base, awesome administration. They've always been good to us. But let's be honest. You know, K-State football is not Oklahoma football. You see what's happening down in Oklahoma? I mean, Brent Venables is trying to, like, pack the stadium, pack Memorial Stadium for a spring game because he realizes the hype around these things, like they are in the SEC, are huge. They're engaging. You get to bring out recruits, show them, hey, we can turn out 40, 50, 60, 80,000 people for a spring game. I'm not expecting that at Oklahoma. I'm just saying that's the kind of mentality that the SEC has. So at the very least, giving the fan base an opportunity to come out, see the guys in the pads, and be very transparent. Say, hey, you're not coming out to a spring game. It's an open practice. But if you want to stop by, uh, that'd be great. We'd love to have you out there. That's the least that I feel like Chris Kleiman can do, and I feel like he's making a mistake as the head of the program in not at least accommodating that and using, you know, the injuries as a convenient excuse. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. If you're on the radio show, we love you. 
If you're on the podcast, hey, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. When you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, that's M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and make sure to hit that subscribe button as well. Uh, Coming up, you won't believe who is right now number one in the recruiting rankings for the class of 2023. We'll tell you who coming up next. So have you seen this? The Texas Tech Red Raiders yes, have the number one recruiting class in the country for 2023. I kid you not. Pete Mundo on heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to be with you for another week, another show. Yeah, uh, this came down on Wednesday night because Tech got another commit uh, from Chris Paul Freeman. Chris is a wide receiver top 100 receiver in the nation, three-star prospect out of uh, Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, Texas Tech jumped Notre Dame, yes, with the number one recruiting class in the country on Wednesday night. So, I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable. Now, you think about this and you say to yourself, and by the way, uh, you know, the, the numbers have flipped. It looks like Notre Dame got a commitment on Thursday. So, Notre Dame jumped back on top. But for at least 12 hours, Texas Tech had the number one recruiting class in the country. Put that in the perspective. Now, I know what some of you haters are going to say, all right? You're going to say that when you look at the rankings, when it comes to 247 sports or rivals, uh, but certainly we use 247 sports, it's done based on total points. Tech has 15 commitments right now, so therefore, uh, naturally, their point total is going to be higher. They don't have the number one average ranking per recruit, but they have the total number of points based on the fact that they've got 15 commitments for the 2023 class. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's, that's a critique. That's a fair point to bring up. But think about this. We're sitting here in April of 2022, and the fact that we can even say Texas Tech has 15 hard commits for 2023, and they moved in, albeit temporarily, into the number one overall spot for the 24-7 sports national rankings is unfathomable. You can't even comprehend how big of a deal that is for the Red Raiders. It's absolutely enormous to think about. And it's because of one man and one man only, Joey McGuire, the new head coach. I mean, the guy hasn't coached a single college game in his life. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, longtime assistant, Matt Rule, Dave Aranda, and then, of course, highly successful high school coach in the state of Texas. And I know, you know, game of football doesn't change, but still think about this. The guy has not coached a single game as a head coach at the college level, above high school. And here he is with 15 hard commits for next year's class for a Texas Tech football program that's going on a decade and a half of mediocrity. Seven and six, five and seven, four and eight, six and seven, rinse, repeat for 15 years. And it's Joey McGuire who's done this at Texas Tech. His enthusiasm is contagious. Uh, He has the passion. He's a breath of fresh fresh air, tenacity, exactly what Lubbock needed in this moment. After what has been, you know, well over a decade of just kind of ho-hum mediocrity, you know, going through. And Cliff Kingsbury was calm, cool, collected, you know, Mr. Slick. But he was never going to be the rah-rah guy. That's not who Cliff Kingsbury was. Great offensive mind. He's turning out to be a solid head coach in the NFL. But... I, you know, Cliff was who he was, and he is who he is. Matt Wells was a mistake of a hire. Very nice man, never connected with Lubbock. 
Joey McGuire is Texas high school football. Heck, you can say he is football. He embodies football in the state of Texas. That's who he is. More than Steve Sarkeesian. More than Gary Patterson did. More than Sonny Dykes. Certainly more than Dave Aranda. I mean, they're all great coaches in their own right. But in terms of truly embodying what Texas Tech football is, and, and not, excuse me, not Texas Tech, the state of football, the state of Texas football is, and I don't mean Texas Longhorns, I mean the state, in terms of embodying what that is, it's Joey McGuire, who literally has never left this state. He began coaching at his alma mater, Crowley High School, as a D-line coach. He went to Cedar Hill uh, as the secondary coach in the mid to late 90s. And he spent, geez, two decades there, basically. D-backs and then a head coach for almost 15 years. Had a wild amount of success there as well. Four state championship games. Winning it three times. Won seven district titles. 12 straight years of the postseason. Then he goes to Baylor. Great hire by Matt Rule. Matt Rule knew, hey, I'm not from here, and I better get someone who knows Texas high school football. And he hired a lot of guys that did, including Joey McGuire. Hired as tight ends coach. Great hire by Matt Rule. And give Dave Aranda credit. Also not a Texas guy, but you know what? A lot of coaches would say, no, no, no. For my first head coaching job, I need my guys. I don't trust anyone from the old regime. Dave Aranda was named Baylor's head coach January of 2020, and McGuire was retained as an associate head coach. And by the way, McGuire at that point was in the running to be the head coach. Didn't get the job. And then he ends up getting this uh, Texas Tech gig, and he was named the 17th head coach in program history November of 2021. And here he is six months later, and he's got the number one recruiting class in the nation. Uh, It's unbelievable. I know it's a numbers game, but the fact that he can get 15 guys to be hard commits by April without coaching a game for a mediocre program over the last decade and a half is huge. It shows you the respect that this guy has around the state, and uh, it's enormous. And, boy, he deserves all the credit. And if he's able to turn this excitement and hype and recruiting into wins, I mean, West Texas is going to be bumping again like it's 2008, baby, but leave the pirate gear at the door. Sorry, Mike Leach. That's how fun this is going to be. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Quickly on the commissioner search. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how it's going to play out. But uh, the thought that maybe the Big 12 would go different, would go non-traditional higher, you know, like the Pac-12 did, which with uh, George Klievkov, who was a TV guy, seems unlikely. Shane Lyons, West Virginia AD, sharp guy, well-respected in the league and the sport, says the next Big 12 commissioner, he told this to SiriusXM uh, Radio, Ari Temkin's show, They do a really good job on Big 12 radio. He said, quote, that this is not the time to go with a non-traditional hire. Said college athletics is moving far too quickly to go with an outsider that will have a long learning curve. And I, I get that. I do based on the tenuous situation that every conference finds itself in right now. All right. I I get it. So now the question is, what direction do you go? Who's going to have that respect of, um, you know, the entire conference of the entire sport 
Oliver Luck seems like a guy who should be at the top of the list in my book. You think about this guy, his Big 12 ties, West Virginia, his professional sports ties, NCAA ties. So he gets it. He's well-respected. I'd be very happy with Oliver Luck as the next Big 12 commissioner. And that's I think you need that big personality, too. I really think you need that guy who knows this league, has the respect, and has the personality because that is going to matter here moving forward. There's no doubt in my mind about that. That'll wrap it. Hey, please take 30 to 60 seconds out. Leave me a rating and a review. It's April now. It's usually a slower time of year, but these ratings and reviews on iTunes help us grow this show every single week. So thank you for doing that, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We're also launching a podcast network. Uh, We've already got a Bedlam show with Eric G., so go check that out. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Heartland College Sports and the Bedlam edition should come up. We'll be adding to the staff in recent weeks as well. And if you're interested, uh, reach out to me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Take care, guys. We'll talk to you soon.